Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. I want to read verse beginning verse 13 and just read down through verse 15. Our subject is Matthew responded or the response of Matthew. Verse 13, it says, And he went forth, that's Christ, he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. We're going to continue on noting this call of Christ to Matthew, or Levi, as he's called here, and it, it's an effectual call, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what little is contained here in this passage of Scripture, or what how short a passage it is, but yet how much how much we have for us. I want to just compare, if you'll turn over to Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible with cross references, I'm sure that this was in there as well as Matthew 9. Those are the three occasions that this is recorded. And I want to read in Luke chapter 5 verse 27. Again, Matthew responded. Not everybody responds to the gospel the way Matthew did. I believe that men reject it in and of themselves. And those who receive it do so because of the power of God. There's not you, We can't boast and say, oh well, well I believed because even faith is the gift of God. Amen. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 27, it says, And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. So here we have an account of the call of Levi and his response. And I want you to think for a minute as Christ is passing there by the the receipt of customs and imagine if you would there there they are they're in this this town this community it's a it's there by the sea the sea of Galilee And Christ had been, we know, that He had been been preaching. And we we read about this in in verse 13. He went forth again by the seaside. And so, imagine here you are, the water's over here, and and you're preaching, He's preaching again, and he, He goes and right there on the beach, if you would, is the receipt of customs. And 
That, that's the place where as soon as they'd bring their, their loads of fishes in, well, there would be the tax collector, Levi being one of them. He would be there and he would count up the fish and say, well, here's how much you owe in taxes. And you know, Christ, He's there and He's, he's got Peter and James and John and Andrew. And look back in the first chapter, if you would. What were these men? Well, they were fishermen, weren't they? And here in Mark 1 and verse 16, it says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him, and when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Now can you imagine, there you are, you're Peter, you're James, you're John, and you're Andrew, and you're walking there with Christ... And he looks over here at the receipt of customs to Levi and he says, follow me. He says, follow me to the same person who used to extort you and take your tax money plus some for himself. Because that's exactly what Levi did. This is the same place... I, I, I just can imagine there that Levi was one who used to come up to John, James and John's boat and their father Zebedee and say, that's what you owe me. And it was an exorbitant amount. Way more than what they really should have because again, the publicans, they extorted the people. That's why they were looked so down upon. You also have their... Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they, we all read they were fishermen. And so here they are walking with Christ, and if you would, their mortal enemy, like, like not just a publican, oh, we don't like publicans because they're, they're kind of traitors to our people, they're collecting taxes for the Romans. No, they extorted these, these four men and their craft. And now you're calling him to follow you? That might be a little more than some people can handle. Some people might look and say, Christ, what are you doing? You can't call Him. He's a publican. You can't call Him. He's an extortioner. Well, He was that, but He wasn't after He followed the Lord. And that same attitude that we might have, or that maybe Peter, James, John, and Andrew had. It doesn't tell us that. It. I don't want to suppose they did. I can imagine if they would. But that's the same attitude the Pharisees had toward the publicans. We read a little later, and Christ is sitting there eating with them, and the Pharisees said, how can He sit and eat with these sinners? See, they, were so, they had such self-righteousness it blinded their own eyes. 
that they couldn't even see that they were sinners. Now I want you to look here this morning, first of all, at following Christ. Following Christ, verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And over in Luke that we read, I think we have just a little bit more description. Luke 5 and verse 27, it says, And he said to him, Follow me, verse 28. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And so, here's the power of the Word of God. I don't know if you've ever noted somebody or seen someone and, and maybe they're productive, maybe they're in a good place, maybe they've got a great job, great finances, maybe they're steeped in sin, maybe they're, you know, I don't know, whatever the worst sin you can think of. Maybe they're that. Oh man, they're 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 an adulterer, they're a drunkard, they're a fornicator, they're a murderer, whatever it is. And yet God took this one who was he was good. I mean, he was set as far as this life was concerned, and he said, Follow me, and what did he do? He left everything and he followed him. Now that's discipleship, isn't it? That's what we're called to do. Now I'm not saying don't go home and, and sell everything and then go, Brother Hilly, what am I supposed to do? But everything ought to be at the disposal of Christ. That if I need to walk away from this and follow you, Lord, then that's what I'm going to do. And if this here is prohibiting me from following you, then I had best leave that alone and forsake it. Now if you'll notice, we already read it in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus said to Peter, James, John, and Andrew, when He said to them to follow Me, what did they do? They left. Verse 16 of or verse 18 rather, of verse of chapter 1, straightway they forsook their nets and followed Him. Verse 20, And straightway He called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after Him. I, I can just imagine Zebedee. Where, look up and His two kids are gone. His whole fishing empire is going to pass on down to these two sons. They just walked off. That's the power of Christ and His Word. He is so attractive to us that we are willing to forsake or should be willing to forsake anything and everything to follow Him. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to wrestle with that call. Some folks, they'll wrestle a long time. Some folks, when God, he, he issues them a call unto service. He issues a call to the ministry. He issues a call to a pastorate. He issues a call to change uh, locations, change whatever. A lot of times we struggle, don't we?
when he followed Christ. This is the command, follow me. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, Matthew recorded it, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 29 and 30. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, John recorded, he said, that his commandments are not grievous or burdensome. And so following the Lord, when Christ said, follow me, it's not a call to, oh mercy, now what have I gotten myself into? It's a, it's a call to follow Christ. And Matthew did follow him. As one individual said, he couldn't but not follow him. It was an irresistible call. Just as the call of salvation is irresistible, so are the calls of, of service. I want to note some things here that... Matthew evidenced as he followed Christ. I'm not going to really turn reference to things, but one of the things he referenced was that he was, he was born again. Because remember, people who aren't born again, what are they? They're dead in trespasses and sins. And dead people don't go anywhere. And so, he evidenced that he was born again. Secondly, he evidenced he was a disciple or a follower of Christ. That's what disciple means. A follower of Christ. There's a lot of people who claim to be saved, but they won't follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll follow this one, this one's teachings, this false teaching, they'll follow the, the, the imaginations of their own depraved heart, but they won't follow Christ. He also evidenced that he loved the Lord. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this was a command, follow me. This is not a suggestion. This was a command of God to follow me. And in doing so, he evidenced that he loved Christ. Remember one of the questions that Christ gave to Simon Peter? Lovest thou me more than these? Well, if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to love Him more than whatever it is that He's called you from. Another thing you'll notice is that when one follows Christ, you cannot stay in the same place. Simon and Andrew, James and John, Abraham, Moses, the Apostle Paul, they couldn't stay in the same place, could they? There were things that were comfortable 
Think about the comfort that Matthew had. Here he was, tax collector, good job, job security. It's not like the Romans were going to get rid of taxes anytime soon. Most likely, Matthew was rich through extortion. They weren't going to quit fishing anytime soon, so he's got all this coming through. And so here he is. And Christ says, you need to leave all of this and you need to follow me. And maybe there's not just a location, a physical location, but there are things that have to be left off in order to follow Christ. There's things you can't do anymore and follow Christ. You can't continue on in this course and outwardly or inwardly follow the Lord Jesus. There's something in my life, in your life, that I can't do this anymore. You know, I talk to the kids, different things, and you know, when I was their age, I played a lot of video games. I don't play a lot of video games anymore. They ask me to play with them, I might sit down, play with them for a few minutes, but I don't. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with video games. I'm not saying that you're not a Christian if you play video games. I always tell them, I say, say, Dad, why don't you play video games? I say, well, when I was a child, I thought I was a child. I spake as a child. When I became old, put away childish things. Had nothing to do with anything. It's just, there are other things that I have to tend to. And if I could get all of those done, which I can't, then it would avail opportunity to do that. It's not a lack of desire to play them. I like the older ones. There's less buttons. It's not as hard. But he, he couldn't stay in the same place. I remember when the Lord called me, moved me to Kansas and then here. I couldn't stay where I was and follow the Lord anymore. I couldn't stay in the confines and comfort of being with my parents and my brothers and my grandmas and the church members there in Michigan and all the familial things that I had and, and the, the job that I had. I couldn't stay there anymore and follow the Lord. I had to go. And then after 10 years of being in Caldwell and, and, and we weren't having any problems, I mean, we weren't perfect by any imagination of the sense of the word, but we weren't having any issues. And then the Lord, you know, y'all asked me to come, voted for me to come, and I knew that's what the Lord wanted me to do, and I couldn't stay there anymore. Had a house, a job, kids. Things were comfortable. You know, Christ will call you into the uncomfortableness. Do you know what the opposite or the enemy of success is? Comfort. 
You and I will never grow as children of God when we are comfortable. Never. You know what happens when you get comfortable? You fall asleep. It's like there in Romans when Paul said, in Romans chapter 13, he said, knowing what time it is, it's time we woke up. So I had to move. We also find that Matthew is going to be a fisher of men. Anytime you follow Christ, you're going to be a fisher of men. If you're not fishing for men, we're not following Christ. It's that simple. If we're not seeking the salvation of kindred and acquaintances and other men, women, boys, and girls, then we're not following Christ. Everywhere he went, he sought to make disciples. I believe that Matthew also had new affections. He had a new life in Christ. Old things had passed away. That's why it said he left all. He rose up and he followed him. Matthew did not wait. He did not delay. But he came to Christ and followed him. And he was forsaking all. And he was going to have to leave where he was at. I want you to understand, there are some things you cannot do and be a follower of Christ. Matthew could not be an extortioner of people and continue as a follower of Jesus Christ. I know years ago, and it's still the same, and I'm afraid it's going to happen here in the States, but I know years ago in Peru, when my grandfather was down there in missionaries, different things, and they would preach the gospel, and someone would come and they would be saved. And they'd want to be baptized and join the church. They'd have to refuse to baptize them because they were living with someone they weren't married to. They said, listen, you, you, we can't baptize you. You're, you're committing fornication. You've got to quit. You've got to be married or, or you've, got to, you've got to move on. You've got to move out. There are some things that have to change when you follow the Lord. Amen. You, can't, you can't be a drug dealer and be a disciple of Christ. I mean, that's a pretty obvious case, isn't it? Now, Matthew used to be an extortioner, but now he was justified. He was sanctified. He was washed. And so he left all of these things. Uh, turn over, if you would, briefly. I want to look at two passages of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and then we'll note another one. The account that Luke gives us about Matthew is it says, He left all, rose up, and followed him. The word left, meaning left all, in Ephesians chapter 5, the same Greek word, I'm told, this is using Strong's concordance, 
But in Ephesians 5 and verse 31, we have it rendered this way. And I think this really gives us an understanding. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. He's got to leave his father and mother and join his wife. That's, that's, there's a, there's a, not that you leave and you don't have anything to do with them, but there's a cutting off, isn't there? There's a drastic change from you being with your mom and dad and you get married and now you go and you live with your wife. That's one of the biggest differences you're ever going to have on this earth. It's going to be different. She's not going to cook like mom. She's not going to do a whole lot of things like your mom. She'll end up, if you, if you be patient, she'll, she'll be better than your mom. And you're not going to be able to husband her like your dad husband your mom because your wife ain't your mom. You're going to have to learn some things. And so here he was. He had to leave in a final way. There's no going back. You're married to her. You can't go back to mom and dad. You can't go back to being unmarried and, and just being their kid. You're now married. And so when you follow Christ, it's a finality thing of, here we go, this is it. There, there's no escape plan. There's no, well, if this doesn't work out, you know, if my marriage doesn't work out, I can just go back with mom or dad. You know, if, if, if following Christ doesn't work out, I can just go back to being a tax collector. Nope. He left it. How about Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews 11. And notice if you would here, verse 27. Here the same, the same word is used of the Greek word. It's, it's given to us by the translators in the word forsook. Forsook. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt. This is referring to Moses. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He forsook Egypt. Remember Moses, he was like a prince in Egypt, wasn't he? They put him in the ark, his mom did, and Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she raised him up, and there he was. And Moses said, I'm leaving all of this. I'm forsaking it all. And I'm going to follow the Lord out into a desert with a stiff-necked and hard-hearted people. He forsook it. And it tells us why. He didn't fear the wrath of the king of, of Egypt. He endured. He was able to keep on going, seeing him who is invisible. He saw the Lord. Well, I believe Matthew was going to have to do the same thing. He was going to forsake this and he was going to be able to endure because he saw the Lord. He saw Him. Now I want to note secondly, this morning, three things 
rejoicing, fishing for men, and fellowship. In Mark 2 and verse 15, it says, And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in His house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and His disciples, for there were many, and they followed Him. Luke tells us that Matthew, he went and made a great supper in his home, and he invited Christ and the disciples, and he invited other publicans to come. You know, when you surrender to the Lord, when God saves you, you have a desire for other people to know the Lord. You have a desire for children, grandchildren, friends, parents, whoever is not saved in your life, you have desire. Man, they need to be saved. That's the greatest thing there is. To have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to school the next day and to tell your friends, the Lord saved me. And most of them will look at you like they don't know what you're talking about. And the reality is they don't. And you may not know much about it, but like the one blind man whom Christ gave sight to, he says, well, whether he's a sinner or not, one thing I know, whereas I was blind, I can see. I'm saved. And Matthew made, the Bible tells us in, in, in other places, in Luke 5 in particular, he made a great feast. Here in Mark chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus sat at meat in his house. This was a great feast. It would be equivalent to what you and I do on Thanksgiving. In reality, it was a Thanksgiving feast that Matthew was doing. He was showing his gratefulness his gratitude toward Christ for saving him. Just as that woman who had, who had taken that and she had washed the Lord's feet and anointed him and Christ said all oh, she hath done what she could, Matthew was now doing what he could. People have different abilities, but they do what they can. And they do it unto the Lord. And so Matthew here being a former publican, he'd gotten much filthy lucre. He now uses it not for his own will anymore, but for the glory of Christ. See, things had now changed. Now he's after Christ. See, not, it's not his will anymore. It's not what I want to do with it. It's all to the glory of God. I'm going to make him a great feast. And you have to understand the Jews, the Jews when they had these feasts, this was, this was something common. I mean, if you look back in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, you know the story of the, of the lost son slash seeking father, the prodigal son? What's the first thing that that father does when the son comes home? Kill the fatted calf and put him in a robe, and here's a signet, and let's have us a feast. We're going to rejoice unto God, for this my son was dead, 
And now he is alive. And Matthew says, I was dead, now I'm alive. We're going to have a feast. We're going to rejoice. And you know, there's a lot of people who take uh, uh, issue with us rejoicing in Christ Jesus. You read on down a little further in Mark chapter 2, the Pharisees, they said, well, John, uh, the disciples of John and the Pharisees, we fast. And Jesus had to rebuke them and say, how can they fast when the bridegroom is here? I don't know how many weddings you've been to, but all the wedding feasts I've been to, nobody fasted. Shamedly, some people brought Tupperware to take leftovers home. But nobody feasts or fasts at a wedding feast. It's a time of rejoicing. And here, Matthew, he was rejoicing. He's now married unto the Lord. He's dead unto sin, and now he's united with Christ, and he's going to rejoice. And he calls the Lord, and he, he just rejoices with him. He has a desire to now be with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in John chapter 11, Jesus spoke to Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Called him out of that tomb. In chapter 12, verse 2, you know where you find Lazarus? Sitting at the table with Jesus. Because that's where we want to be, fellowshipping with Him. We want to be where Christ is at. We want to now have Christ in our home. It's now going to be a Christ-centered home. Not going to be able to watch the things on the TV. Not going to be able to read the same things you used to read. Not going to be able to be on the same internet. Not going to be able to, to talk the same way, laugh at the same jokes, because now Christ is taking up residence in our home. Then I want you to notice as well in verse 15, I believe, Matthew, now following the Lord, it says verse 14, he followed him. I believe in verse 15, immediately he began to fish for men. Look, look who's at this, this dinner. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus. Now, who do you, you know, when you, when you have a job, you spend more time with coworkers than you do family. I mean, you get home and you only a few hours with family before you go to bed, then you get up and you go to work and then you, get, you spend all day with them, right? He's really, these are probably his friends are here, these pu fellow publicans. So as soon as God saves him, he says, oh man. These other publicans, they need to know the Lord. And so what's the first thing he does? He has this feast and he begins to introduce other publicans to the Lord. Oh, you've got to meet this man. Just like that woman at the well. Here's a man that told me all things I've ever done. You've got to come see him. Just like, you know, Philip... He went to Nathaniel just like Andrew went and found Peter. Oh, you've got, we've, 
we found the Messiah. And you've got to come and see. Friends, family, co-workers, whatever that it may be, Levi sought their salvation. He desired them to know Christ and the forgiveness of sins. You sit here and you think, how in the world? I've been extorting people and Matthew says, yeah, but Christ will forgive you. And it's through Him you're going to have forgiveness. And again, these were not ignorant. Christ had been preaching. People had been healed. Miracles had been done. Souls had been saved. And now a publican had been saved. So He sought for others to be saved as well. Then I'd like you to notice fellowship. Think about this. As we said earlier, Levi... Being a tax collector probably extorted Peter and Andrew, James and John. And in verse 15 it says, And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and, and his disciples. Now think about this for a minute. This man's been extorting you for years and now he's inviting you into his home. He desired to fellowship with other brothers in Christ. Other brothers and sisters. Now that he's in Christ, not only has he been reconciled to God through Christ, he's also reconciled to brethren. I mean, what are you going to do, Peter? Are you going to hold against Levi? Him extorting you when God has forgiven him? He was an extortioner, but now he's been washed, he's been justified, he's been sanctified by the blood of Christ, which is what saved you, Peter. So are you going to hold it against him? No, you need to come in here and eat. Because he's a new creation. He's now a child of God. So these disciples came. You know, when you, when the Lord saves you, you, you want to be around other saved people. You want to be around them. You want to... I know a lot of folks say, well, after the Lord saved them, Adam does church, they had friends. People say, well, all you ever do now is go to church. Yeah. And? I know a brother in Christ, he, he, he had some folks and they were coming and they were just going to stop for a, a midweek service. Boy, he was excited. He goes, I've never met him. <laughs> I, I want to say, well, I mean, they're like everybody else. I mean, they're... You know, they're, they're not. But he goes, I've, I've never met this brother. He's just excited to meet another brother in Christ. To meet somebody who's been bought 
by the same blood with the same common salvation that you have. And he desired to fellowship with them. Imagine what that been like. I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to suppose or anything. But you, can you imagine? They walk into his house. Him greeting them. You know, Paul wrote, "Greet ye one another with a holy kiss." Can you imagine? Here they come, one by one. The disciples coming in, and Matthew's greeting them with a holy kiss, a sanctified kiss. Just that that greeting of. That we're now brothers in Christ. So he used to when he greeted them at the sight of Matthew, I'll get out your pocketbook. And then get out your other pocketbook because he's going to want more. Now they come and he's greeting them and he's giving to them. Now Matthew is is sharing with them what he has. He's prepared a great feast. Well, beloved, this is the effects of coming into contact with Jesus Christ by faith. This is the effect of that powerful call of the gospel having been begotten with the Word of God, having been born again by the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And you know, when Christ saves a person, He still does this today. He still makes a difference. He still changes people. And you know... What a wonderful thing that took place here. And if you're saved by the grace of God, if you've been called of the Lord, what a change He's wrought in you. He did it. Paul said, Who hath made thee to differ? It's the Lord. And now here was Matthew, and you know, Matthew was going to, he was now going to follow the Lord. And he was going to be with those men. And they were going to have some wonderful experiences. They were going to experience Jesus Christ in a far different, far greater way than if they had never followed Him in His calling. See, if you you don't follow the Lord, if if you're saved and God calls you into service, and you don't follow Him, you're missing out on experiencing God in so many ways. And so I pray the Lord will help us if He's calling you into greater service and following Him, that you do so, surrender to it. And if you're here and you're without Christ, and He's calling you unto salvation, calling you unto His Son, that you might be saved, that you would come in repentance and faith unto His Son. Believing on Him. Trusting His sacrifice alone for your salvation. And that you'd follow Him in scriptural baptism. 
and become a member of the Lord's kind of a church. So we pray the Lord would bless His Word that it would not return unto Him void. Let's stand. We'll close in prayer.